Well, here we are again, July the 12th this time, 2020, uh, lecture discussion number 108. 108, how about that, on the book of Joel, Daniel, Revelation, Ecclesiastes. That's where we're at today, as we've been for quite a long time now. And we have returned, obviously, from our uh, little respite there. And my intention is to do what I've been doing prior to this. Uh, before advancing into the lecture today, though, I, I thought I would address a series of uh, subjects that are flying about and try to set them together with uh, exactly where we are because we're in prophetic passages, so we should expect prophetic events if those events are, in fact, uh, uh, are, are in, in fact, the days that we are finding ourselves in, and I, I think that is the case. I, I shouldn't say this every lecture, but my gosh, uh, the, the country, the world is desperately uh, affected. How's that for euphemism? Our country is on the verge of who knows what it is. Transformation, I guess, is the word that is like to, likely banded about by one particular set of political philosophies, but it is a, an, a collision of philosophy, that's for sure, that which advocates for a governmental system and that which gov- advocates for an individual system. Which one do you think is the most consistent with the Bible? Obviously, it is not the governmental system. Anyway, uh, so I thought, okay, let's go ahead and address the pandemic here the, and other issues that have arisen during uh, the two-week sabbatical. In the interim of that sabbatical, I've received real letters. Yay, real letters. They always excite me when I get a real letter, and uh, as opposed to an email thingy. Um, it reminds me all the time of uh, what you see in commercials. You have real people and not actors, and I find that to be fantastically accurate. Uh, there are real people And then there are not actors. But anyway, these folks have written me real letters. And there are a lot of email thingies that came in, too. And they're requesting inclusion in our repeating our review of subjects uh, that intersect with our current uh, path. So there will be a little bit of that today. Same thing, same day. I'm grabbing subjects. I'm putting them on the board. I've done some of that ahead of time because Terithathi was late, apparently, today. So I had time to do things. But uh, in any event, we're doing what I have been doing as I try to accumulate all the pieces for you so that you can make the connections without me. So, first off, under the uh, previous heading, which I think you, you entitled a lecture this way, uh, Dave, if you exist. And that was, um, so where are we with respect to Revelation now? So where are we now with respect to Revelations? And we are, in my view, in chapters uh, 1 through 3. So let me put that on the board. Now, some people will disagree, but that's where I think we are. We are in the blessed prophecy of the seven churches. Now, I have the position, as you may know, that they are, they are individual systems, and they may have sequentiality to them, but they're mostly concurrent, and I think that is obvious, especially because of Thyatira and Philadelphia, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, let's just start with this worldwide disease that we find ourselves in, this virus, as you know. Uh, As of today, medically, the concern, obviously, is uh, now the infective dosage. And what they mean by that is how many microscopic respiratory exhalation droplets will overcome uh, an individual's own immune response and penetrate down into the lungs Uh, And the heart tissue, that's the capillaries, the alveoli, and the myocardium. I should put that on the board. Uh, Let's at least put alveoli, because that is uh, where the focus is right now. Capillaries, of course, and alveoli. Uh, Maybe I can spell capillaries. Capillaries, I-E-S, how did I do? Somebody correct me on the Internet. There's an I in there. I might not have it right. Let's see. I wrote it down here somewhere on the paper. Ah, I added an I. There's no I here. So now I can make my L back to its normal size. The capillaries and the alveoli, which are in the in the lungs, 
uh, for our intents and purposes today, especially uh, that has become the focus of the medical community. And that's because the pulmonary and the cardiac systems, and I have drawn beautiful pictures of cardiac systems. They went for tens of dollars, maybe, but okay, they didn't go at all. But the pulmonary and cardiac system, you might remember, are particularly vulnerable to this this virus. Uh, And that's been the assignment of uh, microbiology and the people who are trying to come up with a vaccine. What is occurring? What is it doing into the lung system that is... uh, causing so much distress, if you will, actually, so much mortality. So, again, the pulmonary and cardiac systems are vulnerable, and that's because they are codependent. They are, uh, they are integrated, and they have ACE2 receptors. You remember the ACE2 receptors. Ah, glasses just went bang. I can't see with them. I can't see without them. That's my ACE2 receptors are very critical now. And I believe, as I've said before, to review this, and there'll be a repeating today because of this two weeks, but I believe these ACE2 receptors are going to open the door into scientific discovery that we have never thought possible. Uh, I've I've begun to look at them. And and you might remember, and they are the angiotensin-converting enzyme number two. Angiotensin is a bigger bigger enzyme. This is a system that captures that with an amino acid pocket. It captures the angiotensin, and then it begins to cut it into pieces so that it can metabolize. It is part of the nutritional system, the catalytic system, if you will, in the cell structure. So these angiotensin-converting enzyme number two are incredibly important here. And as they begin to figure out how important they are and what they can do with them, I think we're going to see a tremendous advancement. Uh, I left off Daniel 12.4 here. Let's put Daniel 12.4 on the board. Where are we now is the question. What I'm trying to convey essentially is aerosolization. Aerosolization. And this is because I'm not wearing a mask right now. And by just breathing, uh, speaking, obviously, yelling, screaming, this is why bars are so fragile. People are going to bars. The music is turned up. They're three feet away from each other with no masks, and they are exploding material into each other's face. And that material, this is where the angiotensin-converting enzyme number two becomes a factor. That material gets into the nasal cavity in the mouth. And, and this virus is uh, primarily an airborne or it's an aloft virus. In other words, if an infected pe- person breathes or coughs or sneezes or speaks to you, their lungs are going to expel. If they're infected, their lungs are going to expel newly inf- re- replicated virus particles. These are tiny particles, very tiny. Again, they're microscopic. You need electron microscopes to see this COVID-19 virus, to detect it. And I've previously said that besides the lungs and the heart, which has a tremendous amount of ACE2 receptors, not tremendous, but they have a high volume of ACE2, I'm conveying that they may have more than anything else. They don't but they have a high volume of them. There are ACE2 receptors in the lungs and the heart, which makes them susceptible because what the COVID-19, you might remember, does is that it it glatches on that amino acid pocket that's in the angiotensin-converting enzyme number two, and it stops the angiotensin from getting captured, and instead the ACE2 receptor captures a COVID-19, and that COVID-19 then enters. And let me draw you another beautiful diagram. I have a living cell, and I have an ACE2 receptor on the outside of it, and I have a COVID coming in here with its little spikes. Okay, I should have an angiotensin. Uh, boy, that's really such a good job. I, where do you get stuff like this? But anyway, the ACE 2 is sitting right here on the surface of a living cell. It has to be a living cell because this COVID-19 is not alive. We're going to get into the debate here in the next couple of weeks over why are viruses not alive and bacteria alive. What's the definition of alive with respect to microbiology? But what is happening is this COVID-19 comes along and attaches itself to the ACE2 receptor instead of the angiotensin protein. 
and that allows it to get inside the cell. Once it enters through into the ACE, it, it gets itself into the cell, and there it's able to replicate tremendously. And so when you are an infected person, or if you're around an infected person, breathe, cough, sneeze, speak, sing, blow the trumpet, you're going to expel newly replicated virus particles. And now they go towards somebody else. I must say this, of course, uh, uh, this is why this mask furor is going on in the country, because uh, I have a son, as you know, that is a medical professional that deals with this infection, this particular virus, uh, every single day, doesn't he? And he's exposed every single day. He has masks on, he has a face mask, or, I mean a face shield, because he knows the, the medical aspect of this. Our mouths, besides the lung and heart, our mouths and our navel, navel, nasal cavity have angiotensin converting enzyme number twos in it. So our noses and our mouth have them. And, uh, and our nose and our mouth will inhale. Okay, you, you spend a lot of money to get this kind of medical expertise. Fortunately, you spend no money. But our noses will inhale these aloft particles uh, that were produced by the infected carrier. And I should say that, again, viruses, not bacteria, viruses are par parasitical. They require living cells to reproduce. That's the issue here. Uh, they attach again to these ACE2 receptors. They enter into the living cell. Eventually, they replicate to the point where they burst out of that living cell. And if it's a lung cell, that lung cell is destroyed. It is killed by this. So this virus kills that cell. And then, of course, now I have, I have a swarm coming out of this one cell. And it's going on. You have trillions of cells in your body. So it's going on all throughout your lungs. And, of course, once it comes out of the lungs, then what does it have access to? That's right. It has access to more ACE2 receptors because there are more ACE2 receptors in the lungs to attach to. And that's what it does. If it's a lung cell, of course, again, destroyed by the volume of viral replication. And those, that multitude binds to other ACE2 receptors on other lung cells. But some of it does not. Some of it gets exhaled, exhaled, comes out of your body through your mouth and your nose. And of course, once it done, does, it becomes aerosolized and it goes into the air. And now we know how long it can remain aloft indoors. And this is, of course, a very serious problem. It can remain aloft indoors four hours. And that is why the concern. So that is why we discuss things like high viral dose and low viral dose now. Infective dosage or diluted dosage. There's a dilution effect outside, not so much inside. And that's uh, essentially a discussion of the number of particles contracted or contacted, if you will. In other words, how many particles hit me or you or anyone? The high viral do dose and my individual immune response will determine the you know, level of infection that I have and the le level of severity. As you know, I like quantum physics because it's tiny little particles. I recognize the reality that I'm looking at is really just a bunch of tiny little particles. That's a tremendous amount of information and the mind it takes to keep that information, uh, to know that information, to process it and to keep it into its uh, natural law, a ubiquitous law throughout the universe is incredible. So I, I'd like to know these little tiny things and when I see little tiny things, being so fascinated by them. I notice here that I have a hundred nanometer piece of genetic material, very small. And it's mostly RNA, won't get into that today. There's some DNA, but mostly it's RNA. It's surrounded by a protein shell. I drew it for you right there, fantastically. And it has a glios, glycoprotein protrusions. That's these little spikes and you've seen all the pictures. So those protrusions come with it. And it is able uh, to enter a living cell. 
as I've said, that has an ACE2 receptor. But I want to know why can it do that? How did it get these glycoprotein protrusions? Where did they come from? The ACE2 receptor, its primary function is to regulate blood, blood pressure. Um, but here, this, here comes this 100 nanometer genetic material with these little protrusions uh, in a protein sh shell. And it can do what it's doing, and I want to know why. Uh, and eventually it reproduces itself in quantities that is deadly to those who have, like me, compromised immune systems. Uh, and so, again, being fascinated by this little process, I begin to ask the most obvious of all these obvious questions. How did this invasive, it's an invasive, it's an invasion, it's a parasite. It's, how did this entity come into being? Where did it come from? Now, there's real speculation that it came, it's man-altered at minimum. That Wuhan biomedical facility, actually a, a virology facility, was known to uh, involve itself in the manipulation of viruses. And I'm wondering, of course, Occam's razor, if that hasn't been the case here. I want to know how it came into being. What was the steps, the anatomy? How does it possess countermeasures? Because it's not alive, but it possesses countermeasures against our own immune system. It has countermeasures to evade detection. How is that possible? Is that intelligence? I want to know. If you told me that I had a device that could attach to an ACE2 receptor, I'd want to know how do you know what an ACE2 receptor is? How do you know that this can attach to it? How do you know, how did it get these glycoprotein uh, protrusions? How did it get this protein shell? I want to know. Those are obvious questions to me. And again, it can, it can evade detection. And that explains. Why you, we have this asymptomatic and this presymptomatic aspect. Because once it's detected, that's, that causes the immune system to have the, what's called the febrile response. That's why you get a fever. It attacks it. But this thing can evade detection. And that is why we have so much asymptomatic element here. It's a possessing virus. It also can camouflage itself. It has sugar molecules to hide from the antibodies. It hides its protrusions with sugar molecules so the immune system that attacks it doesn't recognize the protrusion for what it is. Again, how did that come into being? And here's maybe the easiest question, but not really. This is not really the easiest question. I'm lying. Okay, I'm misrepresenting. It's not the same. Why do humans and animals even have an immune system? Do we need an immune system? Well, we certainly do now. Obviously, the immune system allows us to survive against these 100 nanometer particles. But why are there even deadly 100 nanometer particles in the first place? And now, why do we have an immune system against it? You have to go back to the Garden of Eden and ask the easiest of the hard, difficult questions that no one has ever answered. And that is, did Adam have an immune system? Did he need one? Did Eve, did any animal need an immune system? And how did the immune system come into operation? Was there any sickness in Genesis 1 through 3? No. So why is there an immune system? Did the immune system exist in Adam? Now again, that seems like an easy question, but it is not. Will we answer it today? Oh, no, no. Well, we're not going to answer that today. What are you kidding? Uh, but eventually... This is kind of like those old Western movies, the cliffhangers, where you watch the movie and the hero is on the cliff and they're hacking at the rope that he's holding to and it ends. And what, what do you do? That's right. You had to pay another dime because that's how much the movies cost me in Whittier, Alaska. I had to pay another dime to watch the next movie. I couldn't go home. They trapped me. And it has been part of my methodology ever since. 
under the assumption that everything that works on me really easily will also work on everyone else really easily. Ultimately, my question resolves into the question of sickness, which is how it fits. Or to quote C.S. Lewis, he wrote this wonderful book, The Problem of Pain. If you haven't read The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis, I would advise it. Uh, I know there are people out there reading it. They let me know. He uh, thought deeply. C.S. Lewis placed this problem into Ecclesiastes 12, 1, 12, 6 through 7. That's where he put it. And, and Genesis 3:17. He figured out where it fit. He said it this way. We can ignore even pleasure. But pain insists upon being attended to. When you are in pain, and I have, to Lori's dismay, I have bad teeth. She did not do a good job inspecting my teeth. What was that? How long have we been married? 112 years, something like that. Anyway, I have bad teeth and they are starting to bother me because I am an elderly man now by everyone's definition. And I, I can't ignore my teeth. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to our, in our consciousness and conscious, and shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. That is C.S. Lewis's explanation. For the immune system and COVID-19. So what did he mean? Let's ask you a couple of questions. If the deaf world is who God is shouting to, what is the world deaf from? To what is the world deaf? Why is the world deaf? Well, that's obviously, again, Genesis 3.17. C.S. Lewis further proposed this. Pain is unmasked. It is unmistakable evil. Every man knows something is wrong when he is in pain. Were we designed to be in pain? You see, we have feeling, but what about intense pain? Where is the line, the threshold where feeling becomes intense pain? Obviously, pain and sickness is the precursor to Ecclesiastes 12, 6 through 7. That's why it's on the board. The loosing of the silver cord, the breath of the spirit of life, returning to him who gave it at Genesis 2, 7, 7, 22, 120, 121, 124, 130, and I left out some. Let me repeat that. Pain, we have pain and then sickness. If we have enough pain, we have the loosing of the silver cord. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. Ultimately, the question devolves to this way. Devolves, not the right word. Crystallizes, focuses this way. So why is God shouting to a deaf world? And why is he using pain to do so if we accept C.S. Lewis's premise? And then what is the, what is he exactly shouting? Am I going to answer that question today? Oh yeah, yeah, I really am. It's coming. What is wrong? Why is it wrong? I could have said it that way. Let me add this. Why do we have in Matthew 24, Luke 21, uh, why, uh, Mark 13, why do we have earthquakes and, and worldwide disease or pandemics? And that, of course, leads us to what? That's right. The ashes of the red heifer. I did a bit of a leap there for those who keep score at home. I left out a few steps. What did I do? Let me go back and look at it, make sure I did it right. I said, what is he shouting? Why is he shouting it? Why do I have earthquakes and pandemics? And what does that have to do with the ashes of the red heifer? So, again, there's some steps in between that process. Maybe a couple or or maybe a hundred steps. Anywho. We began this little foray asking, again, where is the deaf world now in the book of Revelation? We have a deaf world, and God is shouting. 
where is the where is it in the world with respect to the book of Revelation? Again, I say that we're somewhere in between. Uh, we are past chapter one, past chapter two. I think we are in chapter three. We are not at chapter four. To help you out, chapter four is the abduction of the bride. And that where is the deaf world now in the book of Revelation is kind of sort of a trick question. Even though I presented a view that makes it fit. It's a trick question, you see, because the world, though, is in the book of Revelation. It is there to be exact. But it's actually more specifically at Romans 1, 24 through 32. See that on the board up there. I had a lot to do while we were waiting for Terry to finally get here. My gosh, what a performance. I could have put this on an overhead, couldn't I? That's amazing. Why don't I do that every week? Because I don't want to. That's why. I like my little whiteboard. I'm attached to it. It would be sad if I left it for some better technology. Same goes for my... Look, I'm somebody that writes, handwrites every single word. Well, not every one. I deviate a lot. Most of the words. Who does that? Who writes every week 5,000 words? Who does it? Find me another person that handwrites. I want to meet them. I know they don't exist. Again, Romans 8, 118 through 32. I'm, I lean towards the position that 124 through 32 is correct. As some people will say 126. I have a tendency to do that too sometimes. I'll do it today a little bit. Um, uh, so it would be 118 through uh, 226 and 126 through 32. But that's where I think we are. If you want to know where is the world today, this is where I think we are. And, and I wouldn't argue with the Romans 118 through 23 or whatever it is, whatever you wish to assign to it. I, I really would not contest that position. It certainly has merit. It's defendable, defensible. Uh, I just think we as a collection of humanity have moved into Romans 124 through 32. And yes, that infers that 118 through 32 of the book of Romans is a sequence. It is sequential. It is moving in a order that we can analyze. I am inferring that on purpose. And now I'm fact saying it definitively. Romans, just to recap it here really fast, I could read it. I guess I could. It wouldn't be a terrible thing. Um, I'll just read a little bit of it. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And somebody asked me, uh, some nice lady, do you remember her name? She sent me something and she wanted to know what translation I read. I read a large print uh, New King James. For those of you who are wondering that. Large print because I have to. And I've had to for a long time. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest, is made evident in them, in man. For God has shown it to them. <coughs> so Romans 1.18 through 23, don't have time to read it or we'll bog down, describes mankind as suppressing the truths of God or the truth of God, denying his clearly seen attributes as you go on. For since the creation of, wor- of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. And man is suppressing the truth of God, denying the clearly seen attributes revealed in the creation. Mankind even rejects the Elohim, the us of Genesis 126. Is 126 up there? Let me put that up there. Very important verse, Genesis 126. Oops. And 322. That's the us. That's the Elohim. That's one of the great truths of God. You have to know that truth. Otherwise, you're going, to, you're going to fail when it comes to who Christ is. If you don't understand the triunity of God, you will not understand how Christ is, in fact, God. So the us of the Genesis 1.26. It even, he even says his eternal power and Godhead. Man rejects the triune Godhead, the, Godhead, the Godhood. Through the evidences that are obviously inside man, it goes on to say. There are evidences that are obviously inside man. We're talking about one of them right now. ACE2 receptors, pulmonary, 
cardiac systems. There are evidence inside of, of us, overwhelmingly obvious that they are come from a designer, an intelligence. We have the design of the body. We have consciousness. Consciousness has never been explained by mankind and will never be explained by mankind because it is Ecclesiastes 12.7 and Genesis 2.7. And man can't figure that out because it's not physical. It will never be physical. And they think it emerges from a physical device, the brain, but it does not. It controls the brain. And man, therefore, not being thankful, the Romans 1 Goes on, not being thankful, not glorifying God for his power of creating life, matter and energy, time and space. There, even though we can see this creation of life, matter, energy, time and space, man is not thankful for it, doesn't glorify God for it. And then it, says, it goes on to say, therefore, then mankind became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts became dark. Man declared himself wise, but was instead a foolish idiot. I added that part. It's not in the text. It might be in italics, somebody. Man, therefore, becomes worshiping of the creation rather than the one who created it. Exchanging the truth for the lie. I can't make that more definitive. The truth and the lie. Now, there is the truth. There is the lie. They are singular. There is the truth that is, that is a truth. There's also the truth that is a person. There is a lie that is a lie. The lie. And there is the lie that is a person. They have, they have personhood as well as uh, status. And that becomes incredibly important. And I submit that what I just described is our condition of the world today. And I submit that this condition has stood for quite some time. I'm going to say that it has been in existence for 120 years. Did somebody sneak in? No. The building's just groaning, so it's going to fall down. I heard some sound like, oh, okay. If the building falls down in the midst of this, please contact. Okay, don't worry about it. It's over. This building's not, we're not going to survive. Not in this building. 120 years. I think this has been going on for 120 years. And you've heard me say 120 years. That's familiar. hope it is. I wish we had time, but we don't have time. By we, I mean me. Can't cover it today. We'll get it later. Romans 124.32 to summarize it. And yes, I've commingled them a bit and I will uh, again in the future. And I can do it because I'm a highly trained religious professional. Uh, this isn't easy. I make it look so easy. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. To compress this passage, 124-32. through 32. God gives them, he says, I give them that have this condition, the ones that became foolish, that became, uh, that got rid of the truth for the lie. I gave them, he says, uh, those that exchange the truth for the lie, he gives them, gives them over. And to repeat, let me say what this truth is really fast. Or deviate here a second. The truth is, is that God gave himself. That's the truth. God gave himself. And those, they exchanged that truth for the lie. We've talked about the lie in the past many, many times. The truth, to repeat it, is God gave himself. That means the pre-existing one gave existence because he exists before anything else, before space, matter, time, energy, life. He gave himself because it has to be himself in order to be pre-existing. And he is pre-existing. 
And the lie is the opposite of that. If man has existence, then man is eternal. And the lie is the opposite, that man is temporal. So that is the truth and the lie. Now, I know that's I completely made it a lot smaller than it is. But I hope you recognize these two today, at least, as a big aspect of it. The truth is that man has eternity because God gave himself. And God has eternity. The lie is the opposite of that, temporal. That is, uh, again, in Genesis 3. The truth is, uh, uh, is, that, is that man is Genesis 2-7. Man is Genesis 2-7. He is body and the existence of the spirit of life, the breath of the spirit of life. Body and the breath of the spirit of life. He has eternal existence. Not necessarily life as God defines it. The, the lie is that man is extinguished at physical death and there's hopelessness. There's only a temporary status. We are part of some scheme that is ultimately uh, futile. And, and God says that he gives those that have exchanged the truth for the lie over to it. And again, if I tell you that they're going to exchange Christ for Satan, are they going to do that? They absolutely are going to do that ultimately. So Satan and the Antichrist are the lie and Christ is the truth. That is God giving himself. He is himself. Christ is himself. Hopefully that made sense. God gives them over to a debased mind. Those who believe that man is extinguished at physical death. At which points these, that's the them, God gives them. These that believe that become filled with wickedness, full of murder. I don't have time to read it, but you can read it on your own. Haters of God, that's why I put it on the board. Inventors of evil things. They become inventors of evil things. And when you see inventors of evil things, immediately, Genesis 6-5, the Lord saw, Genesis 6-5 is being evoked here, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every intent of his heart was only evil continually. Romans says they become inventors of evil things. Romans 6-5 and Romans 1-28-30 describe mankind similarly, strikingly so. I think obviously so. The condition of the earth prior to the Noatic flood seems to have complicity with the description of Romans 126 through 32. That's not an accident. There's no coincidences in the Bible. That is how it was intended by the Holy Spirit. When one considers the wrath of God that we started with in 118 of Romans, what is the, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. You suppress the truth, the wrath of God comes upon you. Now, I, I was asked to, to go over Hebrews, I think 10, 14. I can't remember. Hebrews 10, where there's some controversy over what they call begrudging sin and willful sin. Um, that's not a controversy. The issue is always the rejection of the truth, who is a person. And a truth. And the truth is extraordinary. All sin is conscious sin. All of it. There's no unconscious sin. There are people, they'll tell you, well, I didn't think about stealing you, uh, stealing from you. They thought about it. They thought about it really quickly. No, they don't remember. You can't get away from conscious sin. There is no such thing as begrudging sin. I'm sinning because... I have to. Now, I, I've sat in this chair in that office and I have heard people say to me, I am sitting because I have to. No, you are sitting because you want to. It's simple. It's willfulness. So these people that try to say, well, you have the really bad sin and then you don't have so much bad sin. Those of us who, who sin, but we really don't know it. Uh, omission. Uh, we're okay. You willful sinners, you're doomed. And I just remind them of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I think that sums it up. Who goes to heaven? The one who thinks his sin is better than other people's sin? No, not that one. This is about, and Hebrews 10 is about the truth who is a person. You reject the truth for the lie, God's wrath will come upon you. I'll get to that next week. It's on my list. The list is incredibly long. Yes, indeed. But when you read about the wrath of God, 
Um, that would be es- eschological wrath. That's the day of the Lord. That's tribulational wrath. I, and you don't know what that sound is? It sounds like some kind of... No, it uh, sounds like an animal. Maybe there's a moose out there. It did sound somewhat like a moose. It may be that the building is about to blow down because there is a 10 mile an hour wind. So, okay. It annoys me. Not annoys me. It causes me concern. Yes, go investigate. How much time should we give you if you don't come back? (laughs) Uh, Oh, my goodness. I got in trouble right there. Again, if I am correct... I have to say it that way. And Romans 1, 18 through 32 is sequential. And to be viewed within a timeline that is similar to the timeline of Genesis 6. We would assume then that Romans 1, 18 through 32 reflects Luke 17. So let me put Luke 17 on the board for you. Where am I? I'm over here with Luke 17. You know Luke 17 by now. I've been beating it into you for years. It is the days of Noah and the days of Lot that lead to the day of the Son of Man. There are the days of the Son of Man that come before the day of the Son of Man. And there are the days of Lot that come before the day of Lot. And there are the days of Noah that come before the day of Noah. And we see this wonderful pattern. Thank you. I have no clock today. I'm suggesting that Luke 17, 20 through 37 and Romans 1, 18 through 32 are complementary and should be read as if so. And this, and thus I offer as evidentiary to receive reports. Let me go over these very fast because I've already been told and I'm running out of time. Uh, let's see. Where? Uh, once I read it, I hope it's obvious. Uh, records were obtained showing that the FDA, that's the Federal Drug, uh, Food and Drug Administration, the Food and Drug Administration paid for fresh and never frozen Human fetal parts to be used in humanized mice creation. That's called HM, humanized mice. So, where did they get the never frozen human fetal parts? Where did they get them? Oh, well, obviously the the never the fr- fresh and never frozen tissue and organs are coming from babies aborted, and they are from 16. The article goes on to say from 16 to 24 weeks. That's the records of the FDA. And the purposes of that, again, to create humanized mice, ATEMs. Uh, remember, at the end, as it is described in Romans, we will see violence and murder, evil-mindedness, mind- inventors of evil things. And I have said many years, such was the days of Noah. We are seeing the repeat of the days of Noah. This chimeric process, heterochronic parabiosis. A lecture that no one has listened to. But we are seeing advancements in medical technology that is intended to extend human life to extraordinary levels and to create mutations that are, uh, I think, horrifying. And they are killing babies to do it. So such was also the days of Noah, as, is, as will be at the end of the age. We're, we're watching the recurrence of the days of Noah, in my view. So that's Luke 17. Evidentiary offering number two, the same kind of thing, probably worse. Under sworn testimony, Planned Parenthood officials admit infanticide occurs in organ harvesting. (sighs) Yeah. Planned Parenthood and abortion industry officials gave sworn testimony, described how babies born alive with beating hearts in their facilities are then harvested for organs. Beating hearts, intact beating hearts. Obviously, babies born alive in an eugenics facility are not going to be allowed to survive. 16 to 24 weeks. Look at what a baby looks like at 24 weeks. 16 weeks. And I offer that this is the repeating of the days of Lot. That is why I include Luke 17 with Romans 1, 18 through 32. The inventors of evil things. 
So I offer that what we're watching is the repeating of the days of Lot, which is Genesis 13, 13, great wickedness, Genesis 18, 20. The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, God describes it as. And as you know, I include the the sons of Belial in this, uh, Judges 19 with Genesis 19, and I think it is obviously to be included in that. How much blood cries out to the Creator before He intervenes, Genesis 4, 10? How much blood is crying out from the eugenics movement for uh, when did the eugenics movement start again it is within my 120 years some of the most evil people that have ever lived have lived within the last 120 years when does the day of wrath now the day of the son of man come and and that's the same question as where, where are we in the book of revelation obviously we are before revelation 3 8 through 10 for you have kept my, and then 8 through 10 is on the board. This is, we are, we are here. We are before this, because what this is, he says, For you have kept my name, have not denied, or kept my word, have not denied my name, because you, and because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. That hasn't happened yet. Definitions are going to be needed. What is the meaning of kept my word? Because you have not denied my name and kept my word, kept my command, the hour of trial, my command to persevere. Again, read it. We don't have time. I will keep you from this trial that comes upon the whole earth. That's a whole worldwide event. Something is going to come that is a worldwide event. We know what it is. And he says, he further says in Revelation 3.12, He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. So right there, Christ refers to who? Lot's wife. First place the pillar is mentioned. Luke 17, Revelation, I'm sorry, Genesis 19. And he also claims the authority to write the name of my God, the Elohim, the us, in the, in the, in the passages following uh, Revelation 3, 8 through 10. Obviously have not denied my name and the four times Christ says my God subsequent Revelation 3.12. Those are intertwined. For today, having not denied my name is correctly placing God into the Elohim of Genesis 1.26 and 3.22. His, you, you must keep his name, which is his absolute infinite Godhood. Kept my word then would be likewise. Christ repeatedly states that he was the I am that I, uh, that I am of Exodus 3.14. John 8.24 being the foremost place where he does it. John 14.6. John 11.25. I think they're equal to John 8.24. As it was with kept my word and have not denied my name, so it is with kept my command to persevere, which all refer to believing what Christ says about himself. That he is the I am that I am. He is in the Elohim. All things consist in him. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. So what does that have to do with COVID 2019? World War. Days of Noah. Days of Lot. Ashes of the Red Heifer. Daniel 12, 4. Should be obvious. I hope it's obvious. Well, maybe not the inclusion of the ashes. Ashes of the Red Heifer. Not yet anyway. All of those are signs and they're given to us and they're given to Israel so that we can watch for the end of the times of the Gentiles. Matthew 24, 7, Mark 13, 8, Luke 21, 9 through 11. We are given signs to know where we are, how close we are. Where are we now? The sign of Lot's wife, the abduction of the bride is the same thing. I believe will be hidden from the world. Likely it will be simultaneous with another sign. But I think it will be hidden from everyone but Israel. And I might be wrong. It's unlikely. But it's possible. There are no zero probabilities. But I think the rapture or the abduction of the bride is something that will be uh, not revealed to the world. They won't even know what happens because other things will have occurred to uh, divert their attention. It's like a, a lab uh, ball, 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 Labrador retriever. Food, 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 food. Squirrel, 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 squirrel. Be very easy to divert the world away from the abduction, abduction of the bride, but Israel will know. And if I'm right, living with me uh, in the millennium is going to be uh, barely unbearable. Not barely unbearable. I worked that out. 
The abduction of the bride is going to provoke jealousy in the nation of Israel. Israel will know, the world will not. Clearly, I am identifying the hour of trial for the whole world to be the day of the sun, a day of God's wrath, the day of the Lord. Joel 2.32, Daniel 12.1, Jeremiah 37, the time of Israel's trouble, Jacob's trouble. And that is why we have this worldwide disease and world war and worldwide earthquake all listed together by Christ. Matthew 24, Luke 21. Earthquakes and pandemics do the same thing ultimately. One is sickness. I've been through both. One is sickness. The other is instability. And both are instability. When you're sick, I'm a whiner. I am unstable normally. Will you get me sick? I'm ridiculously unstable. The medical profession has recently concluded that the issue is coagulopathy. Say that 50 times. Coagulopathy. And it's coagulopathy in the capillaries and the alveoli. I don't have time to do my little diagram. The alveoli are microscopic little air sacs in the lungs. And the capillaries are tiny pulmonary arterioles. I like tiny things. Because what he did is he built the whole lung on little tiny pieces. Little tiny pieces. Uh, Essentially, the process is the capillaries provide blood to the alveoli. That's an air sac, which then acquire oxygen and release carbon dioxide. That's how it works. And this is what's called microcirculatory system in the lungs. And coagulopathy is a condition which uh, ensues when thrombotic microangiopathy occurs in the capillaries. What is thrombosis? What is thrombotic? It is a blood clot. And I know a lot about blood clots because of my particular condition. I've studied blood clots well beyond what's normal of a human being that it doesn't have any interest in medicine. But because it applies to me, I wanted to know whether or not I needed to be on a stronger anticoagulant. I don't like anticoagulants. But tiny little blood clots. You see, when you have a thrombotic event, a deep vein thrombosis in your leg, and it travels up the essentially the inferior vena cava and goes into the right atrium and gets, goes into the pulmonary trunk and goes into the lungs, it's a pretty big blood clot because it went up through a venous system that's large enough that it can go all the way through. But when you get into the capillary system, those are little tiny things, and that blood clot is trying to get its way itself into little tiny things. It can't. It gets stuck. And that's a thrombotic event in the lungs. And that's acute respiratory distress syndrome. You're suffocating. It's preventing the alveoli from processing oxygen and expelling carbon dioxide. It's dyspnea. It's hypoxia. And it's immediate instability. Same as earthquakes. Immediate instability. God shouts to a deaf world. What's he shouting? He's shouting salvation. Salvation. That's the name of the second person of the Elohim, Jesus Christ, Proverbs 34. So now we got the ashes of the red heifer. Why is the ashes of the red heifer a sign of the end of the age of the Gentiles? I should insert here really fast. If I can't do it, I can't, I gotta do everything really fast. If time travel, because I've been watching time travel stuff again, I have somebody who wrote me, hi Wendy, about time travel, especially retrograde time travel. If it were possible, then there is no existence. That's why it makes me mad. Because I know it's what? It's the lie. Now I go along with it, okay, because I'm an idiot. But I know that if time, retrograde time, time travel were possible, then there is no existence. Now you have to answer why. There is this inherent association relationship between the death of the body and time. We know that. Which has intrigued theologians, philosophers for generations. For today, consider the measurement of physical death through time. We measure physical death through time. Ecclesiastes 3, Ecclesiastes 12. What will be time without physical death? When we have no more physical death and we still have time, what does the lack of death do to time? Changes it. And then we have these seven provisions for cleansing. Day of Atonement, the sin offering, trespass offering, the ashes of the red heifer, cleansing of the leper, two birds, the laver, the golden plate, all of those are types of Christ. The ashes of the red heifer were to be used to cleanse from the defilement that arises from the contact with death, a dead body. That's what it is. It's the first mention of the red heifer, if you will, is in Genesis 15:9. God says to Abraham, take me.
take myself. God gave himself as the truth. Take me, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. That's what he says. Obviously, take me is take Jesus Christ. Thus, Jesus Christ is portrayed by the heifer, the goat, the ram, and the two birds. The take me is the answer to Abraham's question of Genesis 15:8. Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit eternal life? The answer is God gave himself. Take me. I give myself. That's the truth. That's this. Those who exchange the truth for the lie find themselves in Genesis 15:8 and 9. From Genesis 15, we have to travel to Numbers 19 because I have a red heifer. The red heifer. How many red heifers have we had? The implication is we've had the red heifer. Why don't we have many red heifers? There's a great search out there trying to find a perfect red heifer. Have they been able to do it yet? No. Because if they have the red heifer, then they can produce the ashes of the red heifer. And that's a big deal. But they don't have one yet. Do they always find a spot or a blemish on it? Who is the red heifer? They're all pictures of Christ. It's without spot or blemish. It's red. It's a blood heifer. Red is the color of life. It is without defect. And it's without a yoke on it. It never had any sin in it. It's perfect. The yoke never came. It's to be killed outside the camp. It's to be burned. The ashes gathered. And now I need some cedar. I need some hyssop. I need some scarlet. I need water. And I produce a cleansing paste, if you will. A cleansing agent. Hyssop and scarlet. Water. Cedar. The red heifer. And then I get purification from defilement from touching a dead body. What is cedar? I work with a lot of cedar. Cedar, you can put it in a river. It won't rot. You can put it on your deck. It won't rot. It'll turn gray, maybe. Cedar is uh, a symbol of what cannot perish. So this is a statute, an eternal statute forever, God said, for both Israel and the stranger. That's us. Numbers 19.10. And more information is given in Deuteronomy 21. The heifer provides atonement for the man found slain in the field. And this is very cool stuff. At least I hope so for you. It is not known who killed him. So who is he? Somebody is dead in the field, and no one knows who killed him. John 10:18. No one takes my life from me, he said. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. Why not? Because he is the truth. He is the himself. He is the me, the take me. He is in the us of the Elohim. Deuteronomy 6:4. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. Omnipotence. He has to have omnipotence because he's infinite. Infinite power is required to raise the infinite God. It is not known who killed him. That's a profound truth. No one knows who killed him. We know who killed him. He laid it down himself, but no one can kill him. How Christ, who is life itself, died, that's a, that, that's a great mystery. The color of life cannot perish is the red heifer mixed with the living water, the imperishable wood, the hyssop. The hyssop is when you apply the red blood, the life blood on Passover, Exodus 12:22. It's the application. All of that testifies of Christ. He applies the blood, doesn't he? He's the hyssop. All of these testify of Christ. Now, it's to believe... Now, it is believed the ashes of the red heifer are in the Ark of the Covenant. I think that's true. From the heifer, the truth. And what else is in that covenant testimony, the Ark of the Testimony? I have tablets written by the finger of God. That's John 8, 6, where he, Christ is writing in the finger. He's writing in the dust, and he does it again in John 8. Oh, look, he writes twice with his finger. How many tablets do I have? How many times did God write on the tablet? The rod of Anna, uh, Anna. Wow. There's a slip. The rod of Aaron. The manna from heaven. That's how I did it. Rod and manna. I'm innocent. All of those testify of Jesus Christ. And hopefully I did, a, did this justice and the picture is emerging. John 5.39. Search the scriptures. These are they which testify of me, the truth God gave 
me. I am me. I gave me. God gave himself. I'm the himself. Uh, us. They testify of me. And he says to the Pharisees, eternal life is in me. That's the truth. There is no eternal life anywhere else. It's in me, he says. Do you believe his name? Do you keep his name? Are you in the church of Philadelphia that will be pulled out prior to the tribulation in Revelation 4? Thus, we're waiting for the ashes of the red heifer because if they find it, if they find it, Israel is going to do what? They're going to purify the priesthood. If they purify the priesthood, what are they going to do next? They're going to build a temple out of cedar. Game over, baby. And here we go. We see a sign that is incredible. Okay. That's all I got. That was hardly anything. Give me two weeks off. See how much stuff I accumulate.